Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Midnight Movie Club, your book club for movies. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about X and Pearl, but real quick, we're going to have everybody say a quick hello. Peter, you start <laughs> us off. Hello. Men first, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm Peter. Um, I'm really excited to talk about these movies, so I can't wait to see what you guys think about them. All right, Avalyn? Hi, I'm Avalyn, and I'm also, too, am very interested in discussing these movies. And I am Amy J. I couldn't care less. I don't even know why I'm here, honestly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm interested in talking about these movies. I don't know if it's for the same reason as you guys, but I am interested in talking about it. So, uh, let's get started. I think a brief overview of these movies would be appropriate. Yeah. Um, I can give an overview. So, and also just, Ooh. just before we had to start discussion, this is a spoiler discussion. Yeah. So if you spoiler heavy discussion, movie, if you haven't seen the movie, Please see the movies before listening to this podcast. You didn't do your watching for the week. I know. In our in our good in our good movie book club movie club. I don't. Know. <laughs> um. Okay. So you should be ashamed. X and Pearl are um two horror movies that came out this year, directed by Ty West, starring Mia Goth produced by a24 um and distributed and x is set in the 70s about a group of pornographers who rent out a farmhouse to shoot their <laughs> latest picture and then get in trouble with the owners of said farmhouse pearl is the wife of the land. Um, and then the movie Pearl is a follow-up, but also a prequel set in 1918, talking about the origins of Pearl and how she became, how she came to be a murderous nymphomaniac uh, who lives on a farm and likes to kill people. Yeah. Sounds, that, is sounds that a good about, overview? <laughs> I, I think that's a pretty that's a pretty decent overview for it. Uh, so this these pairs of movies bring us to an, like an interesting thing about how we're going to discuss them. Mm -hmm. Do we discuss them in chronological order? Do we discuss them in how they were released? Because it's always fun when it's a sequel prequel. Uh, I would say we should talk about X first. X first because yeah. it came out first. All right, fair enough. I did just yeah. I, I watched that one um, today. I had to rent it off like Amazon. Um, luckily, I got to watch that uh, in the comfort of my own room, so I could just like pause <laughs> it. Because I let's get this out of the way. I am not a horror movie person. I do not watch horror movies, and I'm realizing I have to be very careful how I'm saying horror. Um, <laughs> But the other word would apply, I think, to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> horror movies, um, horror movies, same thing. <laughs> I got to, uh, but yeah, being able to pause it and come back and forth for this movie was kind of like, kind of a nice way to, some people will be like, oh, that just breaks up the tension. You're not really getting into it. But I, I could use a little tension breaker occasionally. Right. So... How did you guys get to watch this? Did you guys see it when it originally came out, or...? I did. Yeah. I saw it back in theaters. Um, I was super excited for X to come out, because I'm a big horror movie fan, and also I'm very interested in Ty West's work in general, because a couple years back, he made a movie called The House of the Devil, which starred... Greta Gerwig like early on in her career um and it was like a 70s style like shot like it was in the 70s but it was just like a really good classic feeling horror movie and I have a real 
love for 70s horror. So this seemed like it was going to be like the perfect movie for me. Because it's like a set in the 70s. It's a slasher. It has Mia Goth, who I love from all her past work. So I went super excited. Yeah. And then She's I, very underrated. Oh my god, yeah. I really hope that after like her work in these two movies, especially Pearl, but we'll get into that later, like she starts to get a little bit more recognition, but yeah. Yeah, because the two movies that I've seen from her, one of them was the remake of Suspiria. That's one of my favorite movies one... of all time. I love that movie so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely would want to like watch that at some point. Yeah, we could watch do like both original versus remake. Yeah. We have entered Amy Woosh area. Uh, <laughs> that's the and also High Life. That was the other one. High Life is really good too. Watching Mia Goth spoilers for that movie too. When she like goes spaghettification in the black hole. <laughs> she enters a oh, black hole yeah. and her body like turns to spaghetti. That like traumatized me yeah. watching that. And I watched that in a theater too. I did too. Like, <laughs> um, she was also in. The Nymphomaniac movies by Lars von Trier. That was like the first time I ever saw her in anything. I'm trying to think if I saw her in anything else. But those are the movies that like really stick at the top of my brain. But yeah. yeah. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, Evelyn, how did, when did you get to see this movie? Did you see it in theaters or did you watch it just here i watched it a few days ago um i rented it off of youtube um i watched it with my partner um she likes horror but she's kind of more into more of my taste in horror more of the Mm -hmm. character driven psychological horror gotcha yeah so yeah, I would say I'm the same way with most horror things, but I do love the aesthetic of a slasher, but never really the plot, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the plot was an interesting thing with this movie, but we'll get to there. We'll get to yeah. that. So I think we've all covered how we uh, watch the movies. Uh, should we get into overall thoughts? Sure. Because I'm... Should we start with yours first? <laughs> Yeah, I'm very curious. Yeah, me too. Very about mine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I my thing is, is um I felt like there were a lot of different themes they wanted to weave throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. There was like themes of like the religious revival of the time through televangelists. There were themes about sex, about youth. Uh, drug use was one continuous thing with the main character. Um, but I don't know what theme, like, how all those themes were supposed to work together. Because it seemed to just pick and choose a theme it wanted to go for at the moment. Uh, and then at the end, there was a, uh, oh, you're, not to, like, skip around, because I, Mm -hmm. I, but, uh, at the end, there was a, oh, you're just like me, kind of bad guy speech. It's like, yeah. I don't know if that's earned at this point. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was interesting. I, I feel like it lacked a certain cohesion. I, there's no problem with the, uh, work exploring multiple themes, but I, I feel like they need to tie together in some way. Whereas this just kind of, left a lot of themes dangling and the whole reveal like i was there was a reveal at the end that the main character was the daughter of the televangelist we had been seeing the whole time and i don't know what that was supposed to add or what that was supposed to do for this movie um i'm just yeah that's my general feelings about this movie i get that a lot um I think when I first saw it, I was kind of a little bit let down because I thought 
that it was kind of messy with the plot and things like that. And I feel like X had like really, really good moments singularly that kind of didn't go well together or as well as it would have liked to have come together as one piece of um, a picture. Um, I think, and I'm going to mention Pearl a little bit, but I think that a lot of the themes that like are kind of left open in X or like unexplored are kind of more clear in Pearl, if that makes sense. Yeah, that that that's something I wanted to mention about like X and Pearl. Is there were similar themes? Um Yeah. Similar themes that they feel felt like they wanted to explore, but didn't really get explored or talked about all that much in X, and then got super explore, explored in Pearl. And I was like wondering which one of these was supposed to be like which one of these were like conceptualized first because well, some of X was written first and then made and then they still had the like it was like COVID protocol they still had time with the set and Ty West and Lee Goth collaborated on the script for Pearl and okay. like wrote it in like two weeks or something and they shot it back to back gotcha gotcha yeah. I was wondering like yeah so that X was one was... of the supposed to be standalone i guess at first yeah that was another thing i was uh wondering about like pearl right. is like i kind of there were a few common threads but it felt more like we're lifting this from one movie and putting it into the other um and i just didn't know which direction that was going and then the only other thing i really felt tying the two movies together uh was the set hmm but that might just be me. I feel like they're... The set is definitely probably the big thing that ties them together. Besides that, it's Pearl in both movies. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but I think for a prequel, it's interesting that they went so far back in time. Yeah. To put that story there. So it does there because it does then become like two completely different things. And I think Pearl stands alone really well without seeing X. And I would say yeah. the same for X, like as a standalone movie, you don't need to see either of them to understand one another. But I think they just have like a dialogue with each other. There's like little Easter eggs between the two of them. If that makes sense. Like I found a bunch of little ones when I was watching Pearl. Which I can get into. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I know that, like, when Pearl is... I know we're just... we starting right now talking about Pearl, but... When Pearl's, like, in the town, and she's, like, looking in, like, shop windows, like, someone, like, a preacher walks by in the background of the scene that says, I won't accept a life I won't deserve. Or, ah. like, before she does her final dance, she was wearing, like, blue eyeliner... Which Mia Goth, well, Maxine in X was wearing like massive blue eyeliner. I just thought there were like little things that were really cool. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Avalyn, what are your general yeah. thoughts about X? Um, as a person who isn't much into a lot of horror, haven't watched enough horror to, you know, say that I'm like a fan. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I don't really think it was perfect in of a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I really, like I said, I would say for both the movies, I would say the two biggest, like, strong points that I've kind of noticed were the visual presentation of it, um, the editing choices, more particularly with um, X. Yeah. And um, Mia Goth's performance. Um, just her just sort of becoming an older version of, you know, Pearl, you know, 
sounding like oh she almost sounds like a completely different person oh my like god she yeah. was evolved oh. i have to look <laughs> with that character i might not have realized that yeah mia goth is pearl in x as well okay that makes some that makes some <laughs> sense i was i was i didn't okay mm, that makes that makes him feel even more forced when it's like you'll end up just like me while you're the same yeah. person yeah i guess i didn't realize so good job for filming and i guess uh effects to like have them mm-hmm. in the same have her cuddling herself um yeah yeah um, Did they do that with the old man as well, or was that? For some reason, I I don't think so. Didn't really like the costume work that they did with. I think his name was Howard. Yeah, right? Howard. Yeah. Like it, for some reason, the way they kind of made him, it felt like his head was ginormous <laughs> than it probably was. <laughs> and I guess that's kind of more of like, oh, this is, I think with X, it's sort of kind of like fighting to be like, oh, this is kind of serious. And also kind of being more tongue in cheek and sort of being like a sort of love letter to 70s sort of slasher movies. Mm-hmm. And I guess I was looking at a review from like a critic and I don't know what the sort of subgenre, but it kind of was a genre where usually someone is playing two different characters with the same actor. I don't know what the subgenre of horror that is called. Um, but we're not so different. I, you and I, yeah, <laughs> Because, like, you know, Pearl, or Mia Goth's Pearl, she's a lot more older in X, and also with her other character, Maxine, sort of having the theme of sort of the the age difference, I guess. I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah, that... That brings us back to, like, the theme of, like, age in the movie and youth versus, like, old age uh, versus, like, how you spend your life. Um, I did not realize Mia Goth also played uh, Pearl in this movie. Uh, That, I found that out right now. That's a fun (laughs) discovery. Um, Which I... I couldn't tell if it was, like, trying to say... Yeah, we should spend our spend your youth how you want so you don't end up old and angry. But then it was also like she she has all the like or she she wanted to be like her when she was younger. So is it because she didn't spend her youth like that or is she saying this other character will eventually become her if she continues down that same path? Um I, I thought that was just, like, muddled. Because from what, how I remember watching it, pretty much like Maxine's character, she didn't really do anything, like, horrendous, really, until, like, the very end of the movie. She just like sex, all she did, she just, which Pearl she, did. Sex and um, right. cocaine. That, that was sort of, like, the sort of two things... And I guess those would just be more of, um, what's that word? Sinful, in of a sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing with like horror movies. It's oft, especially like older horror movies. They were often like kind of morality plays, um, which I was interested in like fact that the one person who got out was like one of the worst sinners of the group but then there was also the background of like the the like evangel televangelist like praying for his daughter and then the act of god thing 
Um, which makes it makes me like, are we supposed to take that his prayers were the thing that saved her through this act of God? Or is this just, like I said, the themes didn't feel like they meshed. Um, and as I talked about in the last one, I'm very much into story and story themes. Um, but I feel like these themes, they were put throughout the movie, but they weren't, they weren't like weaved together. They were just kind of sloppily laid on top of each other. Yeah. Like there's the theme of like, okay, so it's, it's fun when the young people do it, but when the old people do it, it's taboo. Um, yeah. And I'm just kind of wondering if that's how Ty West kind of views of just, I know there's usually sort of like a big trend of like hustle culture and sort of like, Oh, tr trying to like hustle, try to make most out of it when you're younger like working hard and just like enjoying it while without like having any regrets in a sense because you know he basically made like two movies back to back because he was just sort of having this sort of I guess hustle culture sort of mindset of just like wanting to do more and more in a sense yeah, I think it's just interesting because I don't watch a lot of horror movies. I have watched things about horror movies, and usually there is a theme or an idea present of, like, why these people are being, like, killed or punished or whatever that, like, you can see through the one person who survives. But it seemed all over the place on, like, what it was trying to say. But maybe that's just a reductionist version of horror films since I haven't watched a whole lot. I feel like, although I do agree that the themes are kind of scattered around, I think like the thesis scene of the film for some reason is, um, oh God, Brittany Snow, is that her name? When she sings Landslide by Fleetwood Mac and it like intercuts with, like Pearl brushing her hair. And it's like kind of just completely ironic that this young, gorgeous woman who basically could do whatever she wanted is singing the song about how terrible it is to age. And then meanwhile, just 50 feet down the farm, there's two people who are basically like decaying and wanting to do all these things that the young people are doing freely and do it without shame like they would because or without think, a heart attack apparently right, exactly and i think like the the pearl saying at the end to maxine that you're just like me i think it makes a lot more sense after seeing pearl obviously but i think even just in the context of the movie it's like pearl's intense jealousy that these people are like everything that she wants to be so that's why she's going on a rampage and then you see in pearl like when she loses her mind and starts to kill it's like when she's not getting her way or these people when she's like made to feel envious of these people or left alone abandoned so which was know, interesting, because um, I, I will agree that that seemed to be the thing in Pearl. I mean, in Exit felt like she just got horny, and that led to a murder spree. Um, well, yes, she definitely was very, very <laughs> horny. I can't deny that. I mean, she had, like, naked men hanging in her basement or something, right? But um, I think this spree is set off by... Harold not being able to fulfill that need of hers and because of his heart <laughs> I know but that's like where her like anger and jealousy starts to like really take hold isn't it also implied that they've had a they've done this before like oh, yeah. we see the they, the buggy so they just, are they they do it real we often, see the it seems. and then she wants to like choose one of them I'm assuming to have sex with which i'm not 
I, that wasn't really clear. Um, because he right. kept asking, like, is she the one? You know I don't like blondes. Uh, then he had one locked in the basement. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe Speaking I'm of, talking too much. I don't know. Speaking of the basement scenes, I just want to shout out Jenna Ortega's performance because she was really great in the movie also. Yeah. Oh, her shocked face Oh, my was... God. One of, like, the best screams in, like, movie history, I think. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why they use it as a good thumbnail. I know. Too. Can I just say, as a lesbian, this was a fun film to watch as well. <laughs> All right, I think we've discussed a lot about uh, X. Let's see if we can get into a little bit about Pearl. Um, oh. Now, I've mentioned before... Yeah, I get in a little bit about uh, Pearl. Uh, I've mentioned before that I am not uh, big into cinematography. Cinematography. But I... I, I did recognize a lot of the, they did a lot to try to make it feel like a more fit or more like early, earlier movie, like a black and white movie. Um, there was a lot of like the, the uh, word, the way they place the words on the screen. I, my mother is always constantly watching these old movies. A lot of their like long steady shots on one person. It all reminded me of those old movies and i found that very interesting um especially the ending where they're like focusing on her face as the credits like roll um i was it looks like you want to say something about that with that that was incredible what that reminded me of and like just the editing style and cinematography of both movies the thing i like most about these two movies is that like regardless of plot or anything like that um as a filmmaker or aspiring filmmaker myself it's really nice to see movies that are kind of like love letters to film like they're really specifically made to like kind of as an experiment in bringing like a modern eye to old styles of filmmaking and I think it's really just interesting to see all that play out regardless of anything but I love that aspect of both of these very much, even though I think Pearl is the better movie. I I think I also enjoyed Pearl just a little bit more because it's a bit it falls a bit more into like if I do horror stuff, it's usually like Sandman or uh, the Magnus Archives, uh, where it's more about like a person. Um, you right. like watch their slow the descent of psyche or them trapped in a terrible situation. Um, so this was, it was very, I enjoyed this one a bit more because it was more about like her psychological, um, like I said, I felt like the two, somehow the Pearl in X did not feel like the same Pearl in the, uh, in Pearl, but that might just be me. Um, I did enjoy the cinnamon cinnamon <laughs> cinematography the cinematography um i did enjoy like the more focus on one character mm -hmm. um i think there were scenes in both movies that i was like oh somebody really said let's shoot this um somebody said yeah uh go go screw that scarecrow i kept waiting for the scarecrow's eyes to open that that i was just waiting right. for it well they kind of did that doesn't it turn into like david Corin sweats face. Yeah, it like it turns insane. into yeah. For yeah, like, the projectionist, the the, yeah. the the projectionist character. Yeah. Yeah, for like half a second, it's a minor jump scare, but it's it, I <laughs> I was waiting because it was such a realistic looking face. Um, I was just waiting like, for well, it to open. It kind of looked like the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz a bit. Yeah, you know if that. he was yeah. in a horror movie, and that's yeah. why I was waiting for his eyes to open. A lot of people yes. say that, like, this movie was very inspired by The Wizard of Oz, which I don't particularly see that much, aside from, well, like, we, score and We have... Style. Yeah, I could see a little bit of it. 
but I, that, I feel like that's been just like some subtle sort of things that sort of reference Wizard of Oz because mm. I know in one of the scenes she was t- or Pearl was telling the projectionist about a dog as well and also when they were in the inside of the barn she said oh I don't have a dog oh that yeah, sort yeah. Of thing. <laughs> Um, well, let's see. We have the Scarecrow, uh, the Cowardly Alligator, and uh, the Tin Man Projectionist. I think the there Alligator we go. deserves a prequel. I yeah, say, the, I need I a prequel the pre- on the Alligator right now. Like Animal Planet style documentary. Yeah. <laughs> but you were saying? Yeah. I would say, I would say like the Projectionist kind of was maybe more of like Oz because like his ambitions was to um, go to Europe to just become a filmmaker mm-hmm. essentially I believe um, even though that the movie that was shown he did mention that it was from Europe or from France but when I was looking it up from the actual original movie because it was like one of the very first like instances of like porn on film or mm-hmm. sex scenes on film. I bet that was uh, actually wonderful shot tin in frame per second. <laughs> yeah, that uh, I guess that movie actually originated in the United States. It wasn't uh-huh. a European, which is really weird. But I know that to promote the movie, they either a24 they're really good at promoting things so they like opened up like a vault of like old porn videos that you could like click through (laughs) it's like on twitter or something i have to see but it's called like the x or like pearls vault or something like that (laughs) yeah things to go watch after the podcast is done (laughs) exactly yeah but yeah, it was inter- it was interesting uh the um porn kind of angle in both the movies. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um that we that kind of carry over. I guess I would have noticed that more had I seen the other movie first before I went to mm-hmm. go see Pearl. Um a lot of the things she went into town to go see. Um I did go see this one we didn't mention how how or when we saw this one, but I'm assuming we all went to go see it in theaters, right? Legally, yes. we all went to go saw it, see it in theaters. Um, AMC Stuxist. Yeah. I need to <laughs> look into that if we're going to be doing these movies. Um, I went it, to go I see swear. it in theaters. I went to go see this in theaters uh, yesterday night with a friend, um, and we were the only two people in that theater. Oh, I love that. Uh, which was great, because I got we got to like comment back and forth mm-hmm. about things happening, um, and I know some people will be like, "Don't talk during the movie. You're not paying attention." But I love running commentary and mystery theater uh, three thousand uh, everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I it was. I lost my train of thought. We were talking about the porn angle. That's yeah, you were right. Talking about porn. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, like, as I usually which am. Very, which was kind of interesting because, like in Pearl, I felt like there wasn't really much porn. Right. Yeah, there like wasn't. The rest of it, right after the sort of the after the, um, Pearl saw the sort of porn movie in the theater that the projectionist character was showing her and basically just just became like a completely different movie of just her you know being very super ambitious of becoming a dancer yeah in hollywood it was interesting because sex was not a real focus in pearl it had its moments here and there whereas it was a huge focus in x but it wasn't like, it wasn't portrayed as her driving factor. Her driving factor was like, to get out and go like make it as a dancer in the movies, right. um, get off the farm. That was like her main thing. So it was mm. going to watch X. That was like, I I was con- a little confused because the pearl I knew 
from Pearl was all about getting off the farm or like afterwards she had kind of like settled that the farm, this is what she was doing. She was going to take care of what she had. But there was none of that motivation in X. And I know that this project was probably written after and they might have been going more to like show how the two characters were more similar. Right. Um, but yeah. I... <laughs> I will say, probably the scariest scene in this movie, the one I was most tense about, was right after the scarecrow scene, where she's bathing with her father sitting next to her, and she just oh starts God. poking to see if he's alive, and I was like, where is this going? Where is this going? Yeah. You just set me up with a scarecrow. What is she about to do to her father? <laughs> I'm trying to think. I know that... that the first alligator scene in X, I actually thought was like pretty scary. Oh God. Yeah. I, oh yeah. Where it's like, Oh, she, is she going to be eaten now? I thought right. she was like one of her primary characters. The murders right. haven't yeah. happened yet. Yeah. And then it cut to, um, the filming scene of that, mm. which I thought it was like very, very clever and how usually some interactions, they just sort of went back and forth of, oh, they're filming the movie. And then the actual, like, scenes that's happening right now. They do a lot of... Sort of correlation of that. Yeah, they do a lot of, like, juxtaposing of, like, tension. Or, like, cutting tension with the juxtaposition. I don't see that much happening in Pearl, but definitely in X. That's, like, the whole... Because I was watching, like, an interview. I think what um, Ty West was trying to also try to convey is to have other people get motivated to make their own sort of movies (laughs) and stuff. You know, which... Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) We were really really hoping to motivate... um, people to make movies with X to sh- by showing what happened to all these people trying to make a movie. <laughs> um, besides the credits of Mia Goths smiling for three minutes and basically not blinking, um, the other really standout part for her was that like six minute monologue that's just one shot and she like gives it her all which i was like amazed at how well that monologue was like written performed <laughs> like everything yeah. it just it like really made the movie for me um that was like yeah. oh yeah no go ahead. you go ahead i was, i was about to say it almost felt like it was a drama right cuz also she was a co-writer for Pearl, which yeah, I wonder. That's like, why I really wonder how much input she had on Pearl and like what her touch was, because clearly something there was a very different touch in the writers' room of Pearl as compared to that X. feminine touch. It had to uh, have been yeah. Mia. I like. I don't know if I don't think if. Mia Goth wasn't a co-writer, we wouldn't have got, like, such a deep monologue like that. That, like, really explored the psyche of the character. I don't know. Pearl is a feminist movie? (laughs) (laughs) Girl boss. That's all Pearl is. Just a girl boss. Um, I found it... (sighs) I had a thought. And then it escaped. I'll try to catch it here in a minute. Oh, that's what I was going to talk. The um the way they filmed like the monologue, it kind of gave me another sense in this movie, which is it would have felt it, it didn't feel as much about a as a horror movie because we focus so much as on like Pearl and her throughout it. But if you thought about it through like the people around her like perspective, that's a horror movie. Like, if yeah. if we had just been following uh, Projectionist, I, I don't remember his name. I'm going to call him Jim Bob. Pro- 
projectionist Jim Bob this entire thing, and he, like, seduces this girl, and then he goes back home with her, and suddenly there's a rotting pig, her, like, dying <laughs> father, and a noise coming from the basement. That's, like, 101 horror movie setup. <laughs> um, and then we get the payoff. And then the, like, six-minute monologue with her friend, like, if we could have seen, like, her friend's face, that would have been, like, if it had been focused on her friend, that would have felt like a regular horror movie. But since they focused it more on Pearl, it felt more like a character drama, which I think is a, an interesting choice for the movie. I think it definitely, like, is a character drama before even being a horror movie. Just by, like none of it really is presented as like trying to scare the audience that much either like even mm -hmm. the kills and things like that i don't know i did audibly laugh when she was carrying the fake goose on the pitchfork because i was like that, <laughs> that no. maybe i've just never seen enough dead geese but that <laughs> that looks fake oh my uh, oh what were you gonna say i was gonna say, I was gonna say speaking of that we should watch eventually. We should watch um, Pink Flamingos at some <gasps> point. Can we? Yes. <laughs> yes. There's a particular scene. A very particular. A very particular scene involving a chicken. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Don't okay, we're... anything up. We Moving should, on. We should uh, do like a Waters special. I'm just gonna. You're both gonna make me watch this movie for this podcast <laughs> now, aren't you? Perhaps. <laughs> um, but what I was gonna say, my one thing that like really, I found interesting was that like Howard was literally not in the movie. Yeah, I I, 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 I was surprised to, by that. Yeah, I wanted to explore that relationship a bit more because he's such an enabler of her obviously in X yeah. and I wanted to see like how he came how they came to such an agreement but he literally that, yeah that weird scene. yeah that weird kind of I was surprised I was expecting because I saw Pearl first that in um X he was going to be like actively trying to stop her right but instead he was just like working with her right so that that I was surprised with how little he had to do with it also that that's the other thing like her whole monologue was interesting but it also portrayed a very different relationship from the one we saw in x i mean they'd had years since that right. initial thing um to to I, have a relationship since but right i think because of like his desire i think this is what his sister um, was also that was the blonde yeah girl or whatever. She was kind of mentioning to Pearl that you know he came from a rich family and he would rather trade it to live on a farm alone with someone, and that was more of his ambitions after the war. And so I'm assuming even though we don't see the dynamic during it, but just probably over the years of just basically him basically controlling her, of you know, kind of how Pearl's mom was to Pearl, sort mm. of. So basically some of the things were, some of the characters were probably, were sort of mixed, inserted with Howard, the husband from like her perspective how like she kind of felt for each individual like that's how i could probably interpret it why she just didn't really do anything as much mm -hmm. like between you know 1918 through i think 1979 yeah it's a long time i just love the idea that howard came home to her having dinner on a like dying pig with her uh, uh dead dad and mom and it's just like okay i guess this is my life now 
Um, so just just to be clear, uh, from here on out, anytime you get horny, we have to lure bohemians over <laughs> here and ha let you have sex with them. Is that what I'm getting? Because uh, there's a bohemian dead out in the out in the driveway. Um, oh, and you chopped my sister's head off. Yeah, no, that's totally fine. He, he's, he's I like, don't like her anyways. Okay, completely. <laughs> right. It's so weird that like he got no. The setup we got in the like pearl is such a weird setup to like lead us eventually to X. Right. How, like how much marriage counseling did they have to go to for him to get over the fact that he she murdered his sister? Because she was yeah. pretty. <laughs> no, because she got the part. Yeah, she but got... she didn't. Yes, yeah, she did. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, she, well, she did. Well, the way she... it was kind of interpreted, she was auditioning, basically with no like sort of formal practice or training. Mm -hmm. You know, we have that sort of dance monologue scene of just there were that dance sequence. The dance scene. montage, yeah. Well, it's not a montage. It's like a sort of like a dream sequence. Yeah. Very yeah. nice sequence. Very nice sequence. Um, and then coming back to reality, they were just like, well, we prefer younger and more blonde. Mm. I guess that was maybe a reference to like a movie called Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Because <laughs> like, you know, because like, you know, golden age of hollywood right god i hope not <laughs> so she just sort of was kind of resent to her because you know yeah assuming she got the part which was kind of interesting because i think but then doesn't she say like i know you got the part you don't have to lie and she's like thank yeah. you but if to me it read like she was trying to get out of the room for right. an unstable person that's true. Uh, by saying whatever she could, after admitting she had just killed three people, mm. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to say anything that would like really upset her either. But then <laughs> that backfires. So, but yeah, just like go back and editing and cut out every single time I say "but yeah." Uh, I, I notice I say that a lot. Jeez. That's okay. But I was... What intrigued me by Pearl was a lot of the themes. Uh, again, it, X had more, like, disparate themes. Pearl had, like, more solidified ideas. Mm -hmm. But it got me to, like, this whole thought process on, like, these horror... Because she's displayed as not somebody with... She has, like, mental health issues, but then they also give her, like, sociopathic tendencies, where it's very clear she... I don't know if we could really say sociopathic, considering we see her, like, emotional range throughout this entire thing. She's never trying to manipulate situations or people around her. Mm -hmm. So it was weird to give her sociopathic tendencies. Like, was that an attempt... They, they tend to use those kinds of things to, I don't know, other the, like, big bad. Because we never really want to think, like, we could be like them. Like, this person is just evil. And they kind of, like, hinted that, at that with her mom. Like, saying, I've seen the things you've done on this farm. And I'm not letting you out of here because I'm scared of what you'll do. Um, they do a lot of, like just making her out to have been evil and just concealing it up mm -hmm. until the end. Um, and I, I, I don't know. It just, it, it seemed like a weird choice to me. I can see that. I personally like never saw her as evil. Um, I think she it, it showed her as like something with like an inherently broken, yeah, like something that was eventually going to come out one I way think, or the other. Right. I think they definitely like definitely gave her some sort of like personality disorder, and that was just kind of mm -hmm. like waiting to snap. So I definitely see that, but I don't mm -hmm. think in either movie really they're trying to like paint her as like evil at the core. 
if that makes sense. Even though she's a murderer. Maybe I'm just yeah. being sympathetic because I like Nagoth, but... Yeah, <laughs> I think it's more of just like, you know, you're acting very sympathetic towards a person who has ambitions but hasn't really faced the harsh realities of the world. Right. Um, even though, like, it's only been, it was only one, like, audition, like, she's... <laughs> You know, in reality, it, she it probably would have had to, like, try again and again and again until eventually she would get it, but... But there was only the one church crew. It was crew. the one church crew, which... And I really didn't think she did a bad job, unless that was all in her head. Like, someone was bound to take her at one audition, you know? If she kept going... Yeah. <laughs> if, she, if they had just said yes, she the whole thing of X could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. The whole thing of X. She just probably would have murdered everyone else in her dance uh, group slowly one by one. Um, which would have been a different horror movie. But that yeah, brings us to the that. real evil <laughs> of this film, which is casting. Obviously, uh, casting groups are the true evil. Oh, I thought you meant the casting of the movie. <laughs> no, like, no, hey, no. The true good. evil is just... <laughs> Hollywood's casting and prejudiced decisions against brunette people, clearly. <laughs> um, did you guys stick around for the post-credit scene? There was a post-credit. No. Yeah. I didn't know there was a post-credit scene. I was like, I I was thinking like, oh, this isn't a Marvel movie. I'm safe. I can walk out of this theater now. It's just um a teaser for entry number three in the series. Which is just about the L- alligator, right? No. Just all about the alligator. It's called Maxine with three X's. Oh, so now we get to see the arc um, yeah. complete where Maxine it's, becomes Pearl. So it's Maxine Pearl. in the 80s trying to make it big enough. Ten years later. Yeah. Wait, not even ten years later. Yeah, no. It was in, like, 1979. So it's two years later, and she's just like, oh, man, I gotta kill some folks. I don't know if that's what actually is gonna happen. I don't think... That's what I'm saying. Where do you guys think they're gonna go with I mean, they've set up that arc, though. They've, like, set up You're Just Like Me. They had her play the same person. That makes more sense. I was wondering why they reused her to play uh, Pearl in the... um, In Pearl uh, Mm -hmm. after X. I was like, that's an interesting choice to have your victim in the first movie play the killer in the prequel. But now that makes more sense, considering uh, she's... She, she played her in the other one, too. <laughs> I'm guessing it's... I think maybe the theming of the movie will probably be more of... I know with the 80s, I know one of the biggest things was sort of the satanic panic mm. and finding out that, oh, she was a the daughter of a televangelist. Um, maybe you'll maybe go along those lines because i know that with x they kind of left things vague and made it more a little bit more clear with pearl and then maybe with maxine they'll probably maybe go with that angle along with maybe she becomes very successful at like wherever she does in hollywood Okay, so here's my pitch. Um, after her, uh, after the act of God that saved her from the farm, she changes her ways, and she becomes one of the most prominent uh, televangelists out there. She's like reunited with her father, and she becomes a uh, exorcist because she's seen true evil and she knows how to take it out. Um, but it's not like regular exorcism. She's just killing people. Um, who she deems evil. Uh, and that's that's my pitch. That's my pitch for Maxine with three axes. Um, I hope she doesn't I don't know people. I want to see her like be like good in this one. I don't know. It's a horror film. You're, you're going to well, see people die. And she's the main character. Know. We don't know if it's a horror movie yet. 
I'm, um, sure I'm not sure how the three X is. I'm sure there will be some theme about pornography in this one. Just, yep. just Maybe if we she, can just like, more. Fails in Hollywood and like turns to porn full time or something, and then I don't know. Maybe she. Oh, well, like, I don't know. What actor was it who said? Oh yeah, the Batman. Um, he said if he fa if the Batman failed, he would go into porn. Oh, Robert oh, Pattinson. Oh, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, I wish the Batman failed. Yeah. <laughs> she had the same deal. Um, instead <laughs> going to porn, she just returned to it. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm excited. But it comes out next year. Does that come out next year? I thought it only said coming soon. Yeah, but I think I read. No, that was the name of the porno. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it is next year. Um, yeah, you guys, you guys are gonna make me watch that, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because <laughs> we covered we these first to. two. Uh, and then we'll have this. We'll have this exact clip a year from now. It's like previously on the Midnight Movie Club. You guys are gonna make me watch this third film, aren't you? And who knows? You might really like it. <laughs> I think I, we we we've seen my mixed reviews on both the other two. I don't know if if we'll get like. Oh yeah, this was so good. Maybe I, I think the real important like part of that I love the most about it is see dialed back the horror elements, just focused on the porn. <laughs> I was really in it for the porn. <laughs> We're saying porn a lot. I don't know if Spotify or like American audiences in general if we're gonna get like like censored for that. Oh, do we get censored? I, no. I, I know they don't like it when we say like curse words. Like Spotify? I'm not sure if it's Spotify, but I know, like, a lot of, um, just general American audiences, uh, mm. like, Apple Podcasts, they'll censor it and make it, like, age-restricted. Oh, really? Gee. Well, you can't really talk about those movies without saying that word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is an R-rated movie, so I think we'll be fine. Right. If you're watching this, you're, you're expecting that. Sorry. We should put like an age restriction, like a warning, explicit content or something. Under 18, do not interact. <laughs> I would say one thing about... Actually, I got a couple things. In X, mm -hmm. both of them are particularly in X. I did notice in towards like... The, it was in the beginning of the scene where they were, when the crew was walking out of the sort of studio... And, like, the mural painting was um, an alligator, like, biting mm -hmm. a blonde. That was, like, probably one of the most foreshadowing things in that movie. Because right. she gets eaten by an alligator. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's like one of those fun foreshadowing like that. That's, like, not someone, like... Yeah dropping like a verbal hint but it's like a visual thing somewhere i don't know that's yeah. much more fun if yeah visual, i think i visual literacy yeah then someone being like i might turn evil later yeah like we're the same you and i um <laughs> to, yeah uh, visual visual like um foreshadowing i think in movies works a little bit better because it doesn't feel as in your face as, like, an awkward line of dialogue. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, he said that, and then that happened. Wow, that script writer is patting themselves on the back. <laughs> yeah. And also, I don't know if you guys, like, watch him or whatever, um, but the director in the movie... Am I the only one who kind of thought he looked like the Nostalgia Critic, but with long hair? Do you know who the Nostalgia Critic is? I'm aware of the Nostalgia no, Critic, no. but it's like, 
I haven't heard that name in a long time. Hold on, <laughs> let me look this up. For, for, for some reason, the actor who is playing the director of the movie, for some reason, he almost looks like Doug Walker. And then we gouged his eyes out. I feel like Doug Walker has asked us to gouge his eyes out multiple times, so it's just poetic justice. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people want Doug Walker to meet this one. No. I'm not going to say that on a podcast. I don't know know why. It's like, in my head it was like, oh my god, they kind of look very similar. It's like Doug Walker with hair. (laughs) But... I think that maybe might be only me, and I might be a little crazy, but it was like something girl. I thought I had. Like... <laughs> and that's how we wrap it all up. There we go. <laughs> are, are, are you looking it up? Are you looking up Doug Walker to compare? Oh, I looked up Nostalgia Critic. I don't personally see it, but... <laughs> see, I am crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the listeners will probably maybe think otherwise, but... <laughs> Roast you in the comments. It's like, Doug yeah, Walker! <laughs> How can yeah, you for... see that? Roast you as bad as they roasted the Instagram post without even really watching the clip. Yeah, and it's like... Um... God damn it, I'm blinking. <laughs> Let me revert that again. It's almost like that one particular character in the movie, um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, where the villain, for some reason, I kind of, I, I'm, I'm, I think he almost looks exactly like Nicolas Cage. Frodo? Um, Fro- Count Frollo? Frollo, yes, Frollo. You think Frollo looks like Nicolas Cage? Yeah, I don't know why. Just some of like the sort of facial expressions. That one I see a lot uh, more. That one I can kind of understand. Okay. This is just going to be a podcast in and of itself. <laughs> Avalyn's weird uh, character lookalikes. Mm. Oh my god! Yeah. And then we funny. rate them. Uh, we have the audience rate it on a scale. Like, is Avalyn right on or? Got it completely wrong. Leave a comment. One to five. Yeah. So if you want to do that for this, for either one, uh, Frollo or Nicolas Cage, or Doug Walker and the uh, director guy, which which one are we talking about again? The director, right? The the the, like character. The, the boyfriend to the yeah yeah that guy. It's very very clarifying obviously for a second i thought you were talking about the producer guy but uh, yeah no i was talking about the person who is like the little nerdy film guy okay pretentious film guy yeah i my smut's not gonna be smut and then it's just like straight the most basic dialogue of a of any porno ever (laughs) I can give you a ride. (laughs) But yeah. um, So what would you rate this movie? I would give X like a 3 out of 5. And I would give Pearl like a 4.5. Because I really, really loved it. I think I'd give X like a 3. And then I'd probably give Pearl 3.5, maybe 4. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with you guys with X, like a three out of five. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't really like blew me away. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, but it wasn't like, like horrible, awful. No. Right? No. Like, I guess like sort of like my biggest issue was more of like sort of the setup kind of took a little bit too long because I think it could have been a little bit shorter, just a little bit. Yeah. But that's why it's more of like a three. Um, with Pearl, I would, I was either debating either like a three or a three and a half. Um, I think I might go three and a half out of five with Pearl. 
because I enjoyed that slightly more. Mm-hmm. And I think if I were to have to like choose to rewatch again, I'd probably watch Pearl. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> when the third movie comes out, you're gonna make me rewatch these two as well, aren't you? <laughs> I'm sorry for the audio peak that's probably going to leave you with. <laughs> I think that's all the all the things we had to say about this in particular. Uh, our watching for next week is going to be... Oh, what's the name? Don't, Don't worry, worry, darling. darling. Don't worry, Don't, darling. <laughs> which, if I'm seeing from the press, I'm very worried about. Um, Extremely nervous. Uh, I'm going to have to yeah. go spend money on this. The most controversial movie of 2022. Yeah. Obviously. Um, yeah. I... Well, we'll get into all the background, uh, all, all the behind-the-scenes drama it's gonna on be that episode. It's going to be a episode next week. We're trying... To, we're, we tried to control ourselves on this one about talking about that in particular. Uh, but we will be getting into all of that next week. So if you do not want to be spoiled for Don't Worry Darling or Don't You Worry Darling. Just Don't Worry Darling. Don't Worry Darling. <laughs> don't Worry Darling. Like anybody from these movies would say, Don't Worry Darling. <laughs> Gotta get that good country draw. Make sure you guys watch the movie before next saturday go give give harry styles your money go give it to him give florence Pugh your money (laughs) (laughs) give olivia wilde your monies give warner bros discovery save warner bros discovery from bankruptcy go see yeah obviously After they had to cancel all those movies, I don't know how on earth you're going to save that company. <laughs> yeah. The answer is Harry Styles. Okay, apparently. but I... But anyways. The answer <laughs> is Harry, Harry Styles. Styles. Florence Pugh. That will wrap us up for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, other vague ending podcast sayings. Uh, and I hope you guys join us next week for Don't Worry, Darling, where we are all very worried. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye.